So great to be here with you this morning, and um, so good to see Pastor Jim and Cindy. Just love you guys, and can't look at you without smiling, and uh, so good to see you guys here this morning. It's great to be here. We want to welcome all of you this morning, and we also want to welcome all of our friends and family watching online, so welcome. Can we welcome our online campus this morning as well? God is so good, and as Pastor Jerry mentioned, next Sunday is our big day, and our big day is where we just, as a church, it's an all-out push to invite each of us to challenge ourselves to invite three unchurched family members, friends, coworkers, or neighbors to church with us on that Sunday. And that Sunday, next Sunday, we're going to be presenting the, what we call the gospel or the good news, the story of Jesus, in a way that everyone can understand it and be given the opportunity to respond to what he has to offer in terms of salvation. And so we're, we're, we're believing for many people to be here in both of our services, as well as many people to come to begin to follow Jesus. And so uh, we're excited about that. So thank you for joining us in prayer for that. Also next Sunday in the evening, we are hosting here at Victory in Coitsville, Ohio Celebrates Israel. The last couple of years, we've hosted that event here with Bishop Robert Stearns, our Jewish community, and friends and friends from churches across our region and across the state. And so we'll be joined by, by uh, many, many people next Sunday night here at your church. And so we encourage you to come back out next Sunday. Um, it'll begin at 7 p.m. Doors will open around 6, 6.30. And so come on out and uh, be a part of Ohio Celebrates Israel event next Sunday night as well. But as we get into the message today, I would like for you to turn to Mark chapter 7, Mark chapter 7, and put your bookmark in John chapter 8, Mark 7 and John 8, or if you have a smart device, click on Mark 7 and uh, John chapter 8. And today, I'm going to be again in part two of our, of our short series called Moment Maker. Uh, I want to talk today and I'm going to be talking to people who call Victory Christian Center home. I'm talking to the Christians in our audience today. Because one of the things we have to do as followers of Jesus Christ is to be quick to share our faith with those who are not yet followers of Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you've actually picked a great Sunday to, to be here because you'll, you'll have the opportunity to kind of get a behind-the-scenes look as to why we're so passionate about sharing the story of Jesus and what he's done in our lives with others. So, so it's going to be a great morning this morning. Last week, we began this two-part series, and we asked the question, are you a moment maker or a moment misser? Are you a moment maker or moment misser? And we walked away with, with this idea that all of us as followers of Jesus, one of the things we learn in the Bible is that we're we are, we are lights in a dark world, that we are to shine in darkness, that we glow in the dark. And one of the takeaways from last week was that in order for something to glow in the dark, you have to first put it close to the light. How many have ever had a watch that wasn't working, wasn't quite glowing in the dark until you first turn on the light and put it close to the light. And in the same way, in order for us to glow in the dark, we must first get close to the light, which obviously we know is God, and spend time with him in prayer, not only for ourselves, but for others. And so 
Today I want to talk about being a moment maker and I want us to look at the life of Jesus for a moment and we're going to look at today um, three different ways, um, not exclusively, but three, three ways that, that Jesus encountered people and what's available for, for us here today. And so these are, I, I try to put together all of the stories of Jesus when he encountered people. I try to kind of group them into three categories, and I'm sure that there's more, but I think these work. And so we're going to begin in Mark chapter 7. I'm actually reading out the New Living Translation. The, the verses will be on the screens behind me. And so if you have your Bibles or your, your smartphone or uh, your, whatever you're using, go ahead and look at Mark 7, beginning with verse 32. We're going to begin there. And the Bible says that a deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him. And the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. Jesus had already quite a reputation of being a moment maker. And so in verse 33 it says that Jesus led this man away from the crowd so they, they could be alone. And he put his fingers into the man's ears. And then spitting on his own finger he touched the man's tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephatha, which means be opened. Instantly, the man could hear perfectly, and his tongue was freed so that he could speak plainly. Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone, but the more he told them not, not to, the more they spread the news. They were completely amazed and said again and again, everything this man does is wonderful. He even makes the deaf to hear and gives speech to those who cannot speak. Everything Jesus does is wonderful, they said. And 2,000 years later, some things have not changed. Because today in 2018, there are many people that can stand up and give a story and declare that everything this man Jesus does is wonderful. How many can say that this morning? Jesus was the ultimate moment maker. His reputation spread across that small Middle Eastern country known as Israel in that moment 2,000 years ago with three years of ministry, all the things that he would do, and the, whether through word or works, declaration and demonstration, Jesus, he just flat out astonished people. He amazed people. And yet some missed it. Some completely missed it. In fact, in John chapter 1, verse 11, the Bible says that he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. So, so, so in, in John, it, it shows us that when he came, there were some that were blown away as he was a moment maker everywhere that he went. But then there was others that could not receive him, and they just missed it. And Luke 13 is a popular scripture that, where, where we find Jesus crying over the great capital of Israel, the city of, of the great king, the city, city of Jerusalem. And he's saying, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as the hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. They missed their moment. They missed Jesus. 
And it, it's not so much that Jesus was upset that they missed their moment of the miracle, their, their moment of breakthrough, their moment of healing or freedom or salvation. That was certainly a part of it. That, that certainly played a part into Jesus' heart being broken that when he showed up, some people got it while others missed it. And, but it wasn't necessarily only because the people that missed it didn't get their healing or their freedom or their deliverance or their salvation or forgiveness of sin. Because ultimately when you read the scriptures, and you need to lean in for the next few seconds and really hear this, that when you read the entirety of scripture that, that God is not only concerned about what he can do to you, that's a part of it. But it continues because he's also concerned about what he can do through you. That most of us, because we've already experienced his goodness, we'll line up for anything that Jesus has to offer. I mean, I'm the first one to, hey, speak a word over me, prophesy over me, pray healing over me. And all of us welcome what God can do to us. But we've got to understand that God is concerned more about what he can do through us. That was good. Go ahead and thank God for that. Because he then goes to say something like he does in John 14. That while he's amazing the folks, you know, he, he's like David Blaine walking the streets of Israel and Jerusalem. I mean, just doing stuff that's blowing people away. And his followers probably thought that that's what they, how they would live life forever. That it would be Jesus being the moment makers and us just watching and being spectators. And then he says something that completely messed them up and messes them, us up today. He said in John 14, 12, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, that's all of the followers of Jesus here today, the works that I do, all the cool stuff that you see me do, healing the deaf, the mute speaking, raising people from the dead, setting people free from the bondage of the enemy, all of the cool stuff that you see me do, those who believe in me, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And we read those kind of verses and we kind of glance over them because this verse requires responsibility on our end. To understand that God doesn't just want to do to you, he wants to do through you. And to understand that whatever God has done to you, there is potential now in your life for him to do that same thing through you in someone else's life. This gets exciting because we've got stories here of staff members that what God did to them was deliver them from drug addiction and alcoholism and homelessness. Saying that not only do I want to do that to you, but I want to use your life so that through you, I can do that in someone else's life in the world around you. First John 4, 17, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, speaking of Jesus, so are we in this world. And so let's look a little bit about as he is. How did Jesus encounter people? 
Because that becomes a model for you and I in our world, in the space that we live in, the people that we interact with. It gives us kind of a template of what God wants to do through us as we look at the life of Jesus. And so there's three of them that I want to give you this morning. Here's the first one. When people encounter Jesus, sometimes it was a, what I call a truth encounter. A truth encounter. Can you say that out loud with me? Truth encounter. I thought about Nicodemus in John chapter 3 who first comes to Jesus in the shadows of night in the third chapter of John and in chapter 7 he's defending Jesus before the Sanhedrin and then in John 19 we see him come in the open day to anoint the body of Jesus for burial a complete transformation in John chapter 3 Jesus is approached by Nicodemus at night because Nicodemus did not want people in his in his world to know that he was meeting with this moment maker because it, it, would, it would bring trouble to the establishment that he was a part of. And so he met with him at night, which goes to say that public figures need private relationships. And so here's Nicodemus. And what Nicodemus encountered that night is what I would call a truth encounter. In that story in John chapter 3, you don't see the miracles popping. You don't, you don't see the, you know, the, the, the stuff happening like we see it. And we don't necessarily see a, a, a compassionate Jesus in the way that you see him in the life of others. What you do see is a man that maybe what he needed in that moment was an encounter, not, not just with the stuff, but he needed an encounter with truth. In fact, in John 8, 32, it says, and you shall know the truth, and what? The truth shall make you free. And, and I thought about my moment of salvation. See, because I was brought up in the church. And I had a lot of knowledge about God up here in this, in this little space I have in between my ears. But I was about the age of 16, and in my bedroom one evening, laying by my bedside, with no fanfare, nothing, no, no, no worship team, no, no lights, no cameras, nothing, no, nothing big. But in that moment, I had a truth encounter with Jesus. Where everything I knew about God in my head, he made a bridge to my heart. And in that moment, I knew what Jesus accomplished on the cross and how it affected my life and what my response should be. And I gave my life to Jesus for the for the. First and last time that night, laying down at the bedside there in my bedroom. I had a truth encounter. I think of people like Lee Strobel, who wrote the book Case for Christ. Movie was made about his life last year by a company called Pure Flix. Lee Strobel was an investigative journalist who set out to debunk the Bible and the reality of Jesus and what Lee Strobel encountered was, a, was the truth of who Jesus really is. As he set out to debunk the Bible and to debunk the truth claims of Christians and God's word and Jesus being the son of God and walking 2,000 years ago and dying and all of those things. As he set out to debunk that, he found himself smack dab in the middle of truth. And do you know that sometimes that that's what truth does? 
that truth just pulls back the veneer of the stuff that people have made up in their own lives because there's one thing that will remain, friend, and it is this. It is the truth of who God is, who his son is, and what he's done in our lives. That truth will remain forever. While other truths come and go because they're all relative, they're made up by the individual, there is a truth that is constant, that doesn't change with culture or time or seasons or places or history. There is a truth that has been running the course from the first time that man was made all the way through to the end of days. And that is that there is a God, he has a son, and his son has made a way for you and I to be in right relationship with him. But think about people in your world. There may be some people in your world that the encounter that God will use is the truth encounter. It's you having an opportunity to sit down with them and answering some questions that they may have. And we see Jesus doing this in the scriptures. And the Bible says to you and says to me in Luke 12 that when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how, how or what you should answer or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very moment what you ought to say. I thought about, I thought about a number of years ago when I was the director of Master's Commission. It was, it was uh, it's what, what got turned into Victory School of Ministry uh, a couple years down the road. But we had an opportunity to go to Biloxi, Mississippi after Hurricane Katrina hit. And so we loaded up a church van and a Winnebago, and we left uh, Ohio to drive, I don't know, the 18 hours plus to Biloxi, Mississippi. Well, the, day, the first day into our drive that night, the Winnebago broke down somewhere in Virginia. There was nothing around where we broke down. And so we ended up finding this, this Motel 6 something. It was, it was a day's in. In, in somewhere, Virginia, I had no idea where we were. There was nothing around there. And we pull up into this motel, and it was a little bit shady. Our, we were all hungry. We had about, um, I don't know, about a dozen students. Pastor Chris was actually a student, a first-year student in that year, and he was part of that trip. Wasn't married then, didn't look as good as he does now, but he was part of that trip. And so our Winnebago breaks down, breaks down we're at days in. And I remember pulling up the kids and our assistant. They're already getting themselves situated in the rooms. I pull up the van and park it. And next to me is a car full of, of, of Mexicans. The reason I knew that was because the music was coming out very loudly from the car. And it was Taino music. It was Mexican music. There's a big difference you know, I can't go into all how, how Hispanics are, you know, we're, we're just, you know, Puerto Ricans are Puerto Ricans, Mexicans are Mexicans, Hondurans and Guatemala. I mean, there's, we all speak Spanish, but there's a big difference. You call a Puerto Rican a Mexican, they get offended. You call a Mexican a Puerto Rican, they get offended. So it's just a pride thing. We're Latinos, we're just very proudful, right? So, uh, so, so they, they, they pull up and I'm like, oh, you okay, this is great. And, but then I, I remember just saying, saying something to them in Spanish, how are you doing? And we started a conversation. And, and this gentleman said, hey, what are you guys doing for dinner tonight? And I said, well, I, we don't have any plans. And he said, well, you, you should join us for dinner. And I said, well, it's, it's, it's not just me. I've got a whole group. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, these are, these are men. I don't know who they are. And I've got females on my group. And so, and as I'm rattling this thing in my brain, I remember Holy Spirit speaking to me and saying, 
Let them feed you, and then you'll feed them. And so I said, okay. And I said, hey, where do you want us to meet you? He said, meet us in the back of the hotel. We have everything set up. We have enough food for everybody. I go to my assistant, who's a female, and says, hey, here's what we're going to do. We, there's nowhere to get food from. Our Winnebago's broken down. I met these guys. They're from Mexico. They're going to feed us. She completely blew it. Not in front of me, but she told all the rest of the students, Pastor Juan's gone off his rocker. He's crazy. <laughs> Long story short, all of us go to the back of the, of the hotel, and there they are. There's five of them. They've got a grill going, and they've got some amazing food going, and, and we're there. Language barrier for most, mostly all of the students and our assistant, except for me. I'm, you know, translating in between. And we ate some, a fabulous meal. I mean, they cooked up something really special. It was great. After we got done eating, I told one of our students, grab your guitar. Let's do some worship. And so she's playing her guitar, worshiping. We all start singing English songs that we know, and... And it's amazing what began happening. These men who didn't know any, any English or anything about what we were doing or singing, they started joining us. One grabbed a coffee can and started playing it like a bongo. Another one grabbed two beer bottles and started knocking them together. You know, like, like, like just knocking them together, playing music. Worship broke out that night. And after that time, I looked at them and I said, thank you for feeding us. Now we want to feed you. And that night, behind the Days Inn in Virginia, Jesus encountered these men through us with the truth. And I presented the gospel of Jesus Christ in Spanish in their language. And I began to share the story of Jesus and what he's done and what he can do for them. At the end of that short little message, when I said, how many of you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because they encountered the truth of the word of God. Every single one of those men slipped their hands up and said, we want to receive Jesus. What is that, friend? That's a truth encounter. That's when the truth of God's word encounters a man or woman's life, and it completely transforms them and changes them. Another encounter that we find in the scriptures is what I call a love encounter. A love encounter. Now, when you see Jesus doing this, sometimes he kind of combines one or two or all three of them. Sometimes he just completely breaks the mold and just does whatever he wants and still encounters people. But the love encounter, I thought about the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8 where I had you put your bookmark. In John chapter 8, the Bible says that scribes and Pharisees brought to him, Jesus, a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her, at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those your accusers? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What God does to you, he wants to do through you. 
because he gave me a truth encounter, because he's giving you a truth encounter, he wants you to do that, and he wants to do that through you to someone else's life. And the same is true for the love encounter. This is an incredible story, because this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. And Jesus finds himself confronted with a person that in that day, here he was, a holy man, and holy people have nothing to do with these kinds of people. And yet we find this woman encountering Jesus, and the kind of encounter that she had was a love encounter. We don't see a great miracle happening. We don't, see, we don't see fireworks happening. We don't see anyone being raised from the dead. And we don't necessarily see him giving her theology or doctrine. But what we do see is, is Jesus, the God-man, looking into an, the eyes of a woman who her experience of love is, is just people taking from her. It was, it was transactional. And here was this man that for the first time when he looked into her eyes, there was something in them that said, I love you, period. There's, there's nothing that I, that I desire from you physically. I, I, I love you. And, and that compassion and that love made that woman, I mean, if you read the Bible and you know her story, that she becomes a follower of Jesus. Why? Because God did a work in her life. He encountered her with love and it was powerful. It reminded me of the, of, of the day that we, we signed up to attend a psychic fair. We, we, we actually signed up to have a booth at a psychic fair. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, what in the world are you talking about? Well, we, we, were, pastored, we were pastoring in a, in, a, in a different community than here. And in that community, there was a big billboard that said psychic fair. And it was coming to an area, a farm, a farm property in that community. And the first thing that came to my mind was not in my city. I don't want this in my city, right? A couple of us got together and someone had the great idea of why don't we just call and get a booth there. And I thought, man, this is a pretty novel idea. What will we do? And we brainstormed. We thought, well, we can do prayers of blessings, prophetic words, and dream interpretation. All things in the Bible. And so we said, that's a great idea. Let's do it. It's an incredible story. That Saturday was in the summer, it was in June, it was the weekend of Father's Day. That Saturday, before Father's Day, on Sunday, we gathered every, all of the folks that were going to be a part of that booth together. They were there, we, had a, uh, we were covered by a tent. It was absolutely amazing. We didn't know what to expect. When we get there, you've got psychics, aura readers, uh, people that use crystals, you had Wiccans, you had all this stuff all around this fairground, and then there was us, the church, prayers of blessings, prophetic words, and dream interpretation. We had intercessors praying in the church, back in the church. I told my wife, keep the kids home, I don't know what this is going to look like, it's going to be like, and so just keep them home, I'll let you know how things go. And so I'm telling you that, that from the very beginning it was over. Here's what happens. We get there at 7 o'clock in the morning to set everything up, and before the event starts, the main psychic calls all of us together into a circle to talk about how the day is going to go and what to expect. And so as we're standing all there in the circle, psychic, psychic, witch, Wiccan, psychic, or reader, tarot card reader, psychic, witch, Wiccan, pastor, 
She says to me, Pastor Juan, can you open us up in prayer? And I said, I sure can. So we held hands, that motley crew. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that everything that's done this day brings you glory and brings people closer to you. Amen. And the field was won in one moment. Now, I know you're thinking, how does this fit a love encounter? Because when it comes to the power of darkness, when it comes to the devil and Satan and all of his tricks, you cannot match power for power. It's really unfair for the devil. And what we learned that day is that the most powerful force in the universe is the love of God. That day we saw some incredible things. The next thing that happened, we had intercessors praying back in the church. Let me just give you a couple stories of that day. Intercessors praying back in the church. One of the prayer initiatives we gave them was pray that, that, that the enemy would be confused. We had a poor gentleman next to us. Here's what he had to set up. A folding table, two lawn chairs, and a cardboard on a stand advertising his aura readings right next to us. He came in at 8 o'clock in the morning to set up. It was noon, and he still was not set up. A card table, two lawn chairs, and a poster board. You're laughing. I feel bad. I'm calling the intercessor. I said, hey, lighten up a little bit. I go over to the guy, and I say, Hey, man, what's going on? He says, I don't know. I, I do this all the time. I just, I can't get my act together. I don't know what's happening. We have a couple of our intercessors. They're walking around the campground just praying under their breath, just praying, smiling, and being nice to people and praying. One of our little intercessors, she's four foot something, little Italian, older wo Italian woman. She comes to me, Pastor, I feel so bad. I'm so sorry. I said, what happened? She said, I was praying like you asked us to. I'm just walking around, and I passed this booth, and they have a stand full of all of these crystals. And as I'm walking by it, I swear to you, I didn't touch it. I just walked by, and I said, I rebuke that, those crystals in Jesus' name. And all of a sudden, this strong wind comes out of nowhere and knocks that stand over, and all the crystals shattered. I feel so bad. Her name is Joycey. I said, Joycey, you got to be careful where you point that gun because you're loaded. But that day... Emma, were you with us? You weren't there. Shelly, you were there. That day, we, we had one of our musicians walking around the fair playing his guitar. We had people assigned their only task, give water to every psychic, to every medium, to every witch, to every person. Doing, give them water. Give them, a, give them a bottle. It was middle of summer. I had the main psychic's mom come to me and say, why are you here? I don't understand this. I looked at her and said, because we love people. The main psychic who put the whole event together was sending people to our tent. You know what our tent was called? The happy tent. <laughs> stuff wasn't working for her. She wasn't getting stuff for people. And so she would send them to the happy tent, go to the happy tent. That day, when we came with just the love of God into a place where most people would have thrown stones or rocks or picketed across the street and said, we don't want you here, light invaded darkness that day.
And because we were close to the light, we glowed in the dark. We had people say yes to Jesus and get born again. We had people receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In a psychic fair, why were we there? Because the love of God knows no boundaries. The love of God will go into crack houses. It will go into barrios. It will go into Beverly Hills. It will go into the White House. It will go into the schoolhouse. The love of God knows no bounds. And will go into places for people. We had, here, 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 get this. Because when, when Jesus says go, we can't say no. When Jesus says go, we can't say no. Last story. There's, there's well, two more, two more. When, after that prayer, when we began and we, we won the field, they had a DJ. And the DJ was sitting there playing, starting to play music because the event just started. I walk over and he's Latino. And so like, hey, mi hermano, como esta? ¿Qué pasa? Todo bien? Right? Just building rapport. How you doing, man? He's Hispanic. I'm like, this is great. I said, hey, what, what are you playing? He said, oh, you know, whatever you guys want, I'm here just to serve you. I said, great, I'll be right back. I came back and came with two CDs, Sean Foyt, a CD on the glory, and Rick Pino. And I said, here, these are the only two CDs you need to play all day. And so all day, the sound waves going over the fairgrounds was glory. It was God. It was Jesus. It was powerful. One of the psychics... Another one near us, she was the real deal. Bandana, very thin, very frail, had the chicken leg, the skull, the globe, everything at her table. Um, She not only looked the part, she she was the part. She passed by our tent. As she's passed by, I said, have a seat. Come and sit down. We'd love to pray for you. She said this. She said, no, I'm scared. I said, you don't have, there's nothing you have to be afraid of, I told her. I said, just sit down. And when she sat down, very quickly she began to just give excuses. And she said this. She said, I know Jesus. I know Jesus. And I looked her in the eye with compassion. I said, Jesus is a jealous lover. And he will not share you with anyone else. We prayed for this woman and through tears, God just did an amazing, beautiful work in her life. What I'm saying, friends, is that A love encounter is what some people need in our world. There are some people that need a truth encounter. They're the least strobles of the world. They're the people that, 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 that that's, what they, that's, that's where they're at. They, they need someone to sit down and accurately divide the word of truth and just give an answer for the hope that lies within you. But then there's others that it's, it's the love encounter, the most powerful force in the universe, the love of God. That when you think that it's power versus power, it's prophetic versus psychic, that it's, that, it's, that it's the spiritual gifts versus the forces of darkness. No, the most powerful force in the world is the love of God. That next day was Father's Day. We had service that day on Sunday. At the end of that service, we gave an altar call for people to receive Jesus. You know who was there that day? The main psychic's two assistants that put the whole event on the day before. They come walking down their aisle to give their heart to Jesus Because a church loved people in a place where churches just don't go. They've never had a psychic fear in that community again. And I don't know how I feel about that. Because we saw people there that wouldn't go to church. But they would go to a psychic fear.
And people were born again at that psychic fair. We had a lady brought up in the church who was far from God, received the baptism in the Holy Spirit at that psychic fair. Great things happened that day. Love encounter. The last encounter I want to talk about is a power encounter. Power encounter. We see Jesus doing this all the time. We see Jesus, one great example is the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says in Mark chapter 5 and verse 30 that Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched you? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. What was that? That's what I would call a power encounter. The Bible says power came out of Jesus and healed this woman. Anything God does to you, he wants to do through you. I thought of the story of Clarice Fluitt, a popular speaker in in the Christian world and she tells a story of being in Durban, South Africa with the Transki tribe, the king of meeting, she was meeting the king of Koza. This tribe is the second largest tribe in South Africa. They're the ones that talk with the click. With the click. And as she was getting ready to meet this king, she realized she made a very, very, very big mistake because in that culture, when you're getting ready to meet royalty, it is always... um, required, proper for you to bring a gift. Now, the king has everything that he needs, but it is a token of, of, of appreciation and respect and honor. And so she didn't have a gift to bring to the king. She totally just missed it. And so as, she's, as, the, as the caravan is pulling her up to the palace and she's getting ready to meet with the king, she remembers that one of the great needs of that, of that, of that city and that country where they're in is they, they've been, they were experiencing a drought for many, many, many months, and it was really debilitating to that country. And so as she's walking into the palace, she gets an idea. She gets before the king, and the king is looking at her, basically saying, where's my gift? And she says to the king, she says, king, and and this is powerful, this is a a short little woman who just is in love with Jesus, and Jesus has has done stuff to her, but because of that, he's doing stuff through her. He says, king, I bring to you the gift of rain. 30 seconds later, it begins to rain, a torrential downpour, where for months they were experiencing a drought. What is that? I'm telling you that that's a power encounter. That the same Jesus that spoke truth to the masses, that loved the sinner, and that saw power come out of his body, is the same Jesus that's alive and well today. Well, I don't see him. Open up your eyes, because if you look right next to you, there's Jesus, there's Jesus, there's Jesus, there's Jesus. I see him in you. I see him in you, and guess what? He wants out. He's not just in you as a lake. He's in you like a river, and God is wanting his people to be moment makers in this hour, to not only line up, to not only line up so that God can do stuff to you, but to get out so that God can do stuff through you. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, God wants to also do stuff through you. 
Come on, somebody. It's not only lining up so that God can do something to you, but it's getting out so that God can do something through you. Are you a moment maker or a moment misser? We are in a moment, in a season, where we know that the Holy Spirit is actively at work in the lives of people that are far from God. He does this 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, actively engaged in the lives of people who are far from God. Actively. Convincing them of their need of a Savior. And then we have, within those 365 days throughout a year, we have we have a couple of windows of opportunity that it's as if God gives to the church and says, here's a moment. And one of those we've stepped into. It's the fall season. There is, an, there, there, there is a sense in many people's lives in our region, in our community, of a reset. Begin again. Start over. In the same way that they feel it in the new year, they're feeling it now with back to school. So what I'm saying is that as Holy Spirit has been working in their lives for, for many, 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 many months and even years, there's a window of opportunity where that wall comes down just a little bit. And the person that we think will refuse us and turn us down, it is in this season that we've just stepped into that they just might say yes. And so the challenge last week was to grab our Connect card and to write down the names of three unchurched friends, family members, co-workers, or neighbors of people that you will invest in prayer over these next two weeks. That you would talk to God about the person before you talk to the person about God. That you would see them as a person and not a project. That you would get close enough to the light that when you step into darkness, you glow. And so this is the challenge that we gave everyone last week. And if you weren't here, if you've not done this, this is your challenge today to do this. To take out this connect card and where it says list three people, that what you're doing is you're listing their names to invest in prayer every day by name. You'll pray for them. Today, for those of you that you've already done this challenge, you've taken this home, you've been praying, we want to challenge you today to grab one of these invite cards. This is a simple little business card that we've printed up. It just says you're invited in the front. And on the back, it just has our, our church times and a little bit of information about the church. Let me tell you something about these cards. Last week, last Sunday... It was a family that attended this campus for the first time last week. They had children in Victory Kids, in Kids Church. Pastor Michael was speaking with them, and here's what he learned about this family. Here's what they said. They said, around Easter time, somebody from this church gave me an invite card. They said, we didn't come at Easter, but we came today. Because they found the card and they came today. They came last week. And so this in, these invite cards are simply a tool that we want to give people. Because 
As you go, you will either share your story or you'll share your church. And next Sunday, as we do our part, and the people whose names we've written down and we've prayed over, as we take the next step and say, hey, come to church with me on Sunday, September 16th. Here's the information. Just you pick the service and I'll show up with you. If everyone did that, Imagine with me that family member, that friend, that coworker that's far from God. Imagine that person encountering Jesus in a service like this. And that being the beginning of the rest of their life. The end of their horror, the end of their shame, the end of their guilt, the end of their sin, and them starting again with Jesus. And you and I got to play a part of that. That's what we're believing God for. That's what we're praying for. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. The only reason I'm asking you to do this, it's not to manipulate you or coerce you in any way. I simply just wanna give you privacy. With no one looking around, I wanna talk to those of you that are here that are far from God. If you search your soul right now, sir, ma'am, and you cannot find proof that Jesus Christ has completely forgiven you of all of your sins and made you new, that's something that must be immediately fixed. It must be immediately fixed. If you're here today and you can't point to a moment where Jesus Christ stepped into your life forgave you of all of your sins that must change today with no one looking around sir ma'am in just a moment we'll give you that opportunity the opportunity of a lifetime but the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized during the lifetime of the opportunity there's a small open window right now for you to respond if you're here today and you say you want out you want out of the hell that you're living in and you want in you want into the kingdom of God you want to start new brand new with Jesus you you want to encounter his love his power his truth in your life if that's you here today I'll pray for you but I can't unless you do me this one important favor and it's not a favor to me it's a favor to you right where you're at it's just you and God right now right where you're at if you want to say yes to Jesus and make him Lord and Savior of your life, right where you're at, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to do something very brave and very important, and that is that on the count of three, you're going to shoot your hand up. One, don't be backward. Don't be ashamed. Two, and three, now, lift them up right now, quickly. I see you, sir. I see you, ma'am. I see you. God sees you, too. I see you all the way in the back. I see you. God bless you. God bless you. I see you. Now, if you know you should have lifted up your hand a moment ago and you didn't do it, ask yourself why. Why one more time am I going to let the greatest moment of my life pass me by? So if you know you should have slipped your hand up a moment ago with all of these others and you didn't do it, do it now in Jesus' name. Quickly. Don't be backward. Don't be ashamed. Do it now in Jesus' name. You're not alone. 
Those of you that slipped your hand up, let me see those hands again very quickly. Sir, in the back, I see you, ma'am. I see you, sir. I see you. Wonderful. Now, here's what we're going to do. You can slip your hands down. Here's what we're going to do. I want everyone looking at me. Just open your eyes. Here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, everyone looking at me, all the way in the back, sections on the sides, look at me. In just a moment, in just a moment, we're going to stand to our feet. When we do, as soon as we stand to our feet, the next few seconds after we stand to our feet is a holy moment. People are going to respond to Jesus. So unless you have a medical emergency, when we stand to our feet, stay where you're standing unless you are responding to Jesus. So I'd like for all of us to do this. We're going to dismiss in just a moment. But before we do that, we want to give people an opportunity to receive Jesus. That's why we're here. And so I want all of us to go ahead right now, right where we're at, to stand to our feet. Those of you that slipped your hands up, you're not alone. There was, there was multiple of you. I want to pray for you. And we want to pray for you. And so I'm going to ask you to do something very, very brave. And that is, I want you to join me right here at this altar. I want you to get out your seat and just come down here very quickly. We want to pray for you. Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. Don't be backward. Don't be ashamed. Just come. Just come. Just come quickly. Come with your friend. Yeah, just keep coming. Just come. Sir, in the back, just come. Sir, in the back, we'll pray for you. Just come. God bless you. Just come. Altar team, can I invite you to come? Our altar workers, can you please come as well and join us up here, our altar team? Those of you that help us pray. Hallelujah. Hi, ma'am, just right where you're standing, you're perfect. Sir, we're praying for you, aren't we? Stand right next to this lady. We praying for you, ma'am. Stand right there. Are we praying over here? Stand right over here. Come on. This is beautiful. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for these folks here in just a moment. After we get done praying for them, I'm going to invite my wife to come up. We're going to bless everyone. And then if you're here today and you need prayer for any reason, we want to pray for you. You don't have to be a member of Victory to receive prayer. You don't have to be a bad person to receive prayer. We all need prayer. I need prayer. And you need prayer. And so after we pray with these precious folks, my wife will come up, we'll bless you. And then these altars will be open if you need prayer for any reason. And those of you that are up here, after we pray, we want you to come to one of these prayer workers. And they've got a packet they'd love to get into your hand. And, and um, precious ladies, Annette, se llama Annette, Annette. ¿Y cómo se llama? Pilar, Pilar, Pilar. Por favor, pasen aquí. 
Let's stretch a hand towards Bilal. Bilal, tu sonrisa. Tu sonrisa. Está bonita. Dios te ama tanto. Dios quiere que tú sepas que el amor que Él tiene por ti es bien grande. Y vamos a orar ahora que Dios te toque. En el nombre de Jesús. Te pedimos, Señor, que tu poder, tu sangre, suelta a esta mujer. Que la deje libre en el nombre de Jesús. En el nombre de Jesús, Jesús, te pedimos que la toque, Señor. Ser libre en el nombre de Jesús. Quiere dar tu corazón a Jesús. Sí. Vamos a orar. Está bien. Entienden inglés. Okay. We're going to pray. This is something special. I'm going to have to do this in Spanish, but then we're going to do this in English. This is what God is doing. Those of you that came down, I want you to look at me. A miracle is going to happen. I'm not the Savior, but the one who is, he's in this room too. His name is Jesus. And in just a moment, when you open up your heart to him, he's going to come in. going to come in through the front door of your heart and he's going to take the shadow over your life and destroy it and all the lights in your house are going to light up he's going to clean he's going to heal he's going to chase things out of your life that he never intended for you to have Because when he steps in, everything else has to step back. And so right where you're standing at, we're going to ask you to repeat after me this simple prayer. But you cannot just pray this prayer alone. You need two things to add to this prayer. The first thing you need is faith. And you all have it. Because the Bible says that it's a gift from God. Faith is a gift from God. And I know you have it because you would not have walked down in front of all these people to give your life to Jesus if you didn't have faith. So you already have it. Second thing you need is sincerity. You're going to mean this with all of your heart. So right where you're at, say this prayer out loud. Say, Father God, here I am today, just as I am. I admit that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Forgive me, Jesus, of all of my sin. Come into my heart. I want to be born again. Be my Lord and Savior. From this day forward, I give you my life. In Jesus' name, I believe that you died for me and rose again on the third day. I want to live for you. From this day forward, 
come into my life, Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Here's what we're going to do. You're just starting your relationship with Jesus, or maybe you're recommitting your life to him. Your next step is we want to invite you to connect with a prayer team worker here. They've got just materials they want to put into your hand. It's not about the church. It's, it's going to help you take your next steps. So, honey, I'm going to invite you to come. As my wife comes, we're going to bless everyone. And then those of you that are up here, we want to pray for you. And so what you'll do is after this blessing, just find, if you're a guy, just find a guy. If you're a lady, just find a lady. They're going to continue to pray for you. They're going to give that information to you. And then if there's anyone else here that needs prayer for any reason, we want you to come forward as well and receive prayer from someone on this prayer team. So keep your eyes open. Friends and family of Victory Christian Center, we bless you today. We bless you to be moment makers in your world, in your work, in your family, in your home, in your school, in your community. That God would use you to give others a truth encounter or a love encounter or a power encounter. That God would use your life to be centered on him but focused on others. That your life would count that you would give it away as an offering, not only to God, but to a people that he so loves. And may you experience what we experienced this morning in your world, people saying yes to Jesus because you signed up to go and not say no. I bless you today. Go in peace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, if you need prayer for any reason, we want to pray for you today. God bless you.